We are Sarah and Laura. We are doulas, mothers, women, wives, and entrepreneurs. We love a lot of things. The gym, food, coffee, health, kombucha, our families, and our friends. We are so committed to being authentic, honest, and vulnerable and showing up here just the way we are. We promise to never positive wash anything, but please know that we are wholeheartedly committed to radically thriving. With this podcast, we hope to connect on a deeper level and talk about hard stuff. Ultimately, we want women and mothers to know deeply who they are and what makes them feel happy. Whether you're getting into a bath or taking us on a walk with you, or maybe you're commuting to work, we are honored that you chose our podcast to listen to. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Laura. We are continuing our conversation with our friend Abby today because she just had so many nuggets to share that we had to split it into two. Yeah, let's get into it. Also, sidebar, your cat likes me now. Yeah, the the pussy is all about you today. (laughs) (laughs) Just had to She just wanted your tuna. Oh, man. (laughs) Who knew? She's so hungry. You're starving. Now you're going to know how to take care of your kittens you're getting. (laughs) Just give them tuna. No, then the raccoons will show up. <laughs> That's true. We yeah. don't want those. It's going to keep them hungry enough so that they eat the mice. Yes. That's oh, yeah. Plan. And starve them. Yeah. My outdoor kittens. Mm-hmm. My outdoor pussies. We'll see how long they last outdoors. <laughs> I give it four months before they're inside because then really? it'll be winter and you'll let them in the house. I need to find a way that they can live in the barn, but also not let raccoons in the barn. Yeah. We might have to have a whole other podcast about pest control. True. <laughs> okay. Welcome back, Abby. Hello. How are we doing? Good. Good. How are you doing? Good. Good. Um, Okay. So we We left left off. I deciding to have a home birth. Designed a home birth, and I feel like a bit of a cliffhanger because we did not. We we had a very large window of when this baby may be arriving. Um, I feel like I read into kind of you know like the evidence-based side but also just like everything online about any sort of hints that I might get about when I'm having this baby and I mean I think one of the first eye-opening things for me was I'm going to forget the stat I'm going to misquote it but like what a low percentage of babies are born on their due date in the first place so then it's like okay we didn't even get a, an accurate dating ultrasound so now we cast that window even wider of when we may have a baby then you kind of take into like oh sometimes it follows historically when your mother or grandmother have had babies and they had them early and I I just didn't I did not know what was happening and nobody could really give me any additional guidance definitely not the um so we kind of entered maybe the era of this journey of trusting in my body, but also not knowing yeah. how, what I should be feeling in my body. I'm hearing into the unknown from Frozen. Oh like, my, yes, just, yes. Like, we tell people to have the vibe. Two month and you had to have like a do two month. Yeah. You did. I remember thinking. Yeah, like, two months. Because we were going, <laughs> I went to Spain and Portugal. Yeah. September 15th to September 30th. Yeah. And I was really hoping you were having an early September baby, which we thought was fully no. possible. I was so pumped for right. you. And then I went on that trip and I was like, well, Lara, have a great birth with Abby. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> and, then I, I and then I get back and you had an October baby. Right. Which was, I, I feel like a shock to everybody. So I guess in it was it was so weird because of course we were playing catch up at a lot of our midwife appointments 
uh, since we found out and then since I switched my care from OB to midwives. But at even the appointments kind of going into September, like I feel like they were under the same belief. They're like, it might be September, it might be October. We're going to kind of not rush it, but also have all the information in place in case you need to be having a baby. Um, and I remember one of the chats, I'm going to forget exactly when this, but I want to say it was probably mid-September when they mentioned at one of my appointments. And I felt like we'd, we'd been really on the same page. We'd been having a good time together. You know, they were on board with the home birth. They were on board with, okay, minimal intervention, hear you, hear you, good, you know, validating your feelings. And then they brought up, uh, what was it? The induction list. Oh. And I was... I was caught off guard by that because they said, um, and they, they posed so funny too. I knew at the time last summer, I think last summer, I remember you guys mentioning there'd been not an epidural shortage, but it was like some part of the epidural process in Ontario, at least, um, was not available. And some people weren't able to get them, which that didn't really bug me because I was not planning on getting an epidural. But then when the midwife said, oh, and also there's not an induction shortage, but the lists are somehow full. I I don't know what it was, but they said, if you don't get on the list, you might like, I don't even know, like I wasn't going to have the baby. Like, what were you guys going to do? Right. And so it was just this very weird conversation about, yeah. you'll turn into an elephant. Like, so I, the baby's not allowed to arrive then? Like what? Right. That's yeah. exactly it. So then too bad, hold your legs together, shut your cervix, hold your not on the list. Right. <laughs> so they said, you know, just in case, do you want us to put you down? You can always pull your name off the list. And I just felt so weird about it because I'm like, well, if there's a shortage anyways, I don't want to be taking someone else's spot. I feel really bad about that because I'm not planning on being induced. I was, that was one of my fears. I didn't have many fears going to birth. I was more afraid of that than of anything that could come at me with like an unmedicated birth. Um, so I don't think I actually put down for the induction list. I said, let's wait till our next appointment. You know, I don't think eh, I'm not, I'm not really feeling that. Um, so at that point I was starting to get, to be honest in my head, I feel like I had one of the first two weekends of September as like my gut, which I I don't know what my gut was based on. I don't know what my gut was based on. I definitely felt um, Labor Day weekend. I shouldn't make plans. Yeah. And that was like a like a month later <laughs> my body was telling me or my brain was telling me just trying to manifest uh mid-september which did not happen and I was looking for all the signs like I have a video and you scroll back in my tiktok feed of me literally saying my bump has dropped and that from what I've read when your bump drops that means that baby's moving into position and my mid appointments have said that she's head down anyways so like it could be go timing I was like this is a sign like this is the stars are aligning. Something is happening here. Um, little did I know that was, I think about six or so weeks before I ended up having my baby. Oh, so wow. the next thing, right? Like six or seven weeks, maybe longer. I'm not doing math. Right. So the next thing I started looking at, and this was like a few weeks went by and I was just starting to get really discouraged. Um, I found out about purple line. Is that, is that even the right term for it? Do you guys? Yeah, I think line? this is called the purple line. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's like the line that goes from like your butt hole kind of toward your tailbone. Um, and I, I feel like another thing you mentioned was at the midwives, I don't feel like we're really pushy about it. They just ask like, do you want cervical checks? Do you want anything to which I did not want? Um, so I, I didn't really know like how that was looking. I knew that she was 
roughly in a good position. She'd been head down for a while. Her rotation or whatever was looking pretty good. Um, but I didn't have a lot of indications about what my cervix was doing. So the purple line I felt like was really cool because I did actually start to see toward the end of what ends up being my pregnancy, um, progress in the line. Like there's a whole folder on my phone of pictures of my butthole. Um, I kind of tuck in face that I don't accidentally open it in front of my mom, but you know, the purple line got bigger, which was really exciting because I felt like there was were no hints. There was nothing giving me any indication as to when the baby was going to be coming. So flash forward, I want to say to like the final, the final week or so. And that week I'd spent so long gaslighting my body that nothing that I was feeling was a sign of labor coming. I was so over it. I remember we'd gone, I think a couple of days prior to go get pumpkins and, and Halloween decorations. I'm like, I'm, I'm probably going to watch me wait until like Christmas. Like this is never happening. This is never happening. Am I even pregnant? I, I mean, clearly I was pregnant, but <laughs> so I was starting to get really, I don't want to say discouraged, but I was getting discouraged. I was not, I was not feeling as positive mentally toward the end because I just didn't know when it was going to happen. And that was, that was giving me a lot of anxiety. Um, so I was having, you know, the Braxton Hicks, I was going on walks, I was feeling stuff, I was feeling kicks, I was feeling movement, but I had no idea what was going to be happening there. Um, I want to say a couple days before I went into labor, I think I might've had like a little bit of mucus plug loss, but again, I was just gaslight, 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 did not believe anything was happening. So I guess when things started to happen, I think okay let me should we start the day before or should we start at the day of because it kind of happened overnight yeah let's do the day I feel like we'll start a day out okay so a day out this is like after my weekend of getting fall and Halloween decorations and like being convinced that nothing was happening I figured I like I wasn't I was gonna stand and wait because I feel like that was only gonna make me feel worse about things so I guess the morning of the day that I started labor, I filmed a workout for the app. I did like a moderate intensity. I think I literally called it labor intensity interval training, which is hilarious really? in hindsight. Yes. Um, and I have the video in the app. Like I can see like my belly and it's so weird to look at that, knowing that like that was gone the next day, which is mind buying. Um, but I had a very regular day. I think I was a little bit down the dump because I didn't know when anything was going to be happening that night. I probably around like mm, 7 p.m. Like I had a decently long work day. We took the dogs out for a walk and I was used to feeling contractions and like Braxton Hicks type things on walks um, because that just, that kind of happens toward the end of pregnancy anyways. Um, So I want to say right before I went on that walk, I had a, I had some mucus plug that I lost, but again, I did not think anything of it. When we got back from the walk, there was like definitely a significant amount of mucus plug loss, which I was like, interesting. Um, I'm not going to like, I'm not going to think anything about it because if I learned anything from the whole labor experience, um, it's definitely that a symptom can mean you're either going into labor in two days, two weeks. Like, I, I don't know if maybe there's like, the end. so I didn't really trust it. Um, but I decided it was pretty late at that point, but I just, I don't know why I just had a sense. I'm like, maybe I should stay up for a little bit. 
which in hindsight, I probably should have slept. And I feel like you guys would have told me to sleep, but yeah, we always tell you to sleep. <laughs> you would tell me to sleep, but I'm like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to settle into settle in the couch. I'm going to put on a show. I'm going to like keep it low, low energy, but just kind of hang out here and see if I feel anything different. So Braxton Hicks weren't like settling right away. Um, didn't really feel anything change. Kind of stayed there. I think I went to bed and I should not have gone to bed this late, but I think I went to bed closer to midnight. Um, when I went to the bathroom before going to bed, more mucus plug. I'm like, okay, I think something is like perhaps happening because this is very different from anything that has happened prior, but I wasn't convinced that it was going to be that night. You know what I'm saying? Um, okay. Sorry. I just had to check the door. So I was convinced it was going to be that night. So again, I should have gone to sleep. Um, if I, if I'd be giving advice to anybody, I think it's the same that you guys would give, you would say, go to sleep when you can. So I did try to lay down after that, but I was starting to feel what felt like pretty strong or like building period cramps. Um, I had a lot of low back. I wouldn't even call it pain at that point, but just discomfort. Like when you have like that really heavy in your bones period feeling, I just felt that wrapping around and it wasn't again, like it wasn't pain at that point, but I was just really uncomfortable. And so like trying to adjust, I had like my 500 pregnancy pillows and all my things around me in the bed. And I was tossing and turning and nothing was comfy. So I said, Jeff, like you go to sleep. I'm going to, I'm going to do whatever I'm doing over here. I got out of the bed. I just went on the ground beside the bed to do some breathing, do you know, the pelvic mobility type stuff, literally practice the positions that I thought I would be doing when I was laboring. And I tried to sleep again. That did not work. Um, I think at that point, I think at that point, that was probably one or two AM and I was, I was starting to be convinced that I was in labor. I was starting to be convinced, but the pain and everything was manageable. So at that point, I downloaded a, like a timer app, one of the contraction timer apps. I think Jeff slept for maybe an hour. Then he woke back up to check on me. This was confusing. Um, I feel like I've heard a lot of people have the same experience, but the timer app said, go to the hospital now, oh, which yeah, absolutely yeah. was not the right to go to the hospital. And I've heard this from so many other women I've spoken to about their birth stories, because yes, the frequency of the contractions was technically there, at least based on how I was timing them, but the intensity was nowhere near it. Like these were still, they were rolling waves, but they were like rolling waves of like, I would say moderate to high period. It's not unbearable. It was not even what I would consider pain at that point. It was just kind of irritating because they kept coming, right? It, there wasn't really, you get a little bit of relief and then it would be back and it would be back just in time to not get comfortable and not really settle into a position. So I tried to sleep. I want to say that might've been around the time that I did Sarah. And I just, I think, I think I just gave you a heads up text. I said like, you know, don't worry, don't be alarmed. I'm not calling the midwives. I think I kind of did that as like my insurance policy of like, I let somebody know, but I'm absolutely not letting the midwives know. I, I'm not going to the hospital anyways. I'm taking this too seriously, but I'm going to let somebody else know just in case maybe I should be. Um, so texted you no and on the um, apps. Yeah. I feel like. Yeah. 
there's some of them that it's almost like their own insurance policy. Yes. They're saying, yes. well, we told you, you know, if you had a side of the road baby or a car baby, um, you can't get after us because totally. as soon as it was five, one, one, we told you to go to the hospital. Right. There is an right. app. We love the Freya app mm-hmm. where it really just records the frequency and then you can make a decision with the information as it comes. So it kind of just, you can look at a screenshot. Yeah. And it says your labor is now well-established. Yeah. That's instead of saying, it go to yeah. the it's like a home birth, almost mm-hmm. prepped app to like, not set off yeah. the alarms in your head. Like, am I doing something wrong? It's yeah. telling me I should right. be in the hospital. Like, and you're totally right. Like the difference between, um, you know, the frequency. So there's a huge difference between a contraction that's lasting 30 to 45 seconds versus a contraction that's 45 to 60. And so really looking for those long ones, Mm -hmm. because you can have the frequency without the intensity and really exactly the whole thing together. It's not moving your body forward. Yep. Yeah. And that's like, I was, I, I wouldn't say like thrown. I wasn't anxious about that because I still at that point trusted my body. I was like, okay, I, I think I just ended up turning off its notifications. I think it had an option to either like mute it or something because I'm like, this is not productive. If I, if I happen to have a baby and this is the level main, well, great. You know, but yeah. <laughs> clearly I didn't know. Um, so that's, that's what I was doing. I want to say around that time, probably three or 4 AM when you replied, Sarah, you said, okay, you should sleep. Yes, obviously not going to happen for me. Um, but otherwise, you know, get in the bath, see if, see if things settle down, right? See if it kind of helps you relax and see if you can go back to sleep. So I did get in the bath a little bit begrudgingly because I don't know why I had it in my head before going into labor, but I didn't think I'd want to be involved with water. I thought that water would irritate me. I didn't want to be wet or damp or I don't, I don't know, I don't know. But I got in the bath and it was fantastic fantastic it was absolutely incredible it was a great time in there I loved it it was so cozy and I could actually get comfortable I did not sleep um but when I was in the bath I found a couple positions that I liked I'd kind of like fit around a bit and just lean over the side and I was able to rest my eyes and just you know keep my energy low hang out pay attention to my contractions Jeff was in there with me I don't think I really did much of anything except hang out in there and pay attention to my breathing. The bath really did help my back because at that point on my labor, I'd say that that was my main thing. I don't know if that's like back or first. I didn't even feel like, like I know I was technically in labor, but I just didn't even feel like I was in labor yet. Um, it just really felt like it was like the ultimate version of a heat pack. I felt like hips were able to relax. My pelvis was able to relax. I'd had a little bit of low back and hip pain later in pregnancy. So it was just like, great, great, great. Sometime in there, Jeff brought me a snack. So in my home birth bin, I'd had like some, some of those fruit bar things, some electrolyte chews, um, just stuff that was kind of easy to digest. And I think I had some applesauce packs. So I want to say I had an electrolyte gummy. Yeah. While you're on the topic of the snack bin, I wanted you to talk a bit about, you made a comment. I want to say this was in our postpartum visit, but you said people confuse pantry safe or pantry foods oh. or um, oh. <laughs> in labor snacks. 
And I thought that was a really, I've quoted you on that before. It's a really wise statement that just because a pepperette is safe in your birth bag and can last for mm. weeks does not mean it is optimal fuel while you are in labor. Do you want to speak to that a bit? Yeah. So uh, like, obviously I feel very lucky that I had a home birth and I mean, technically I could have eaten whatever I wanted, right? We had a fridge, we have a full kitchen. Um, at a hospital, I know a common thing when you're on sites and they say like, what's back your hospital bag? Like whether it's shelf stable or like pantry things, things that don't need to be refrigerated, pack those in your bag. And when I thought of that before, I think of like what I'd pack on a road trip, like pepperettes, jerky, trail mix with like nuts and M&Ms and stuff in it. And there's nothing wrong with eating those things. But the timing during labor, when you're doing what is going to become an intense physical activity and your blood flow is going to be redirecting away from your digestive tract. If you're taking in foods that are really high in sugar, really high in sodium, like a lot of jerkies, um, high in fat, again, like a lot of jerkies, or if you're having like a nutty kind of trail mix, that is going to sit like a rock in your stomach. And it is going to give you a really upset stomach. Like the way I think about it, and I've, I've literally experienced, is if I eat too close to a run or too close to like a high intensity workout, like you guys, I'm sure have made this mistake at some point, like your stomach just churns like it, it is the worst feeling. It's like a pit in your stomach. And one other thing, I mean, like, I feel like I had some kind of like, silly labor fears, but like one of my fears was throwing up during labor. I really did not want that. I, I knew that there would already be enough going on down there. I did not want the anxiety or the sensation of like my stomach, just, you know, that thing it does when you have to throw up it like spasms. I did not want that on my plate. So I made sure to pick foods to include in my home birth box or like snacky bin that were simple carbs, easy to digest. So they like applesauce packs are great. I did the ones with no added sugar because sometimes too much sugar can kind of just like overwhelm your GI tract. Um, I did those, I did like electrolyte gummies, a little, like, um, you can do endurance gels too, but the gummies I find sit better for me. What else did I have in there? Like soda crackers. Um, I had electrolyte mix just to keep me hydrated. I didn't pack a ton. I didn't overthink it. Cause I knew I wouldn't be eating like a full on meal. Um, but yeah, I can only imagine that would have been horrific had I had anything heavier because even a little bit, I think I made it through a couple of the endurance gummy things I had and then maybe one applesauce pack. I don't remember exactly what I had that still, like, I feel it in my stomach. I can feel it there. <laughs> Sometimes we'll give people like a teaspoon of honey. Yeah. If they're they yeah. for a while and they need a bit of a boost of energy. But I love the way you think of it. Like maybe in early labor, sure. Have a light yeah. breakfast, have some food if it feels good. But generally, if you're hungry, eat. And if you're not hungry, don't. And it's kind of like the prepping for a marathon. Mm -hmm. You're going to have a meal the night before. Mm -hmm. You're maybe going to have a light meal in the morning before you run. But during the run, you're only going to have the simple um, carbohydrates. Yeah, that yeah. means that you can keep on going and it can get to your, your blood quickly and easily. Which is even tricky. Like that's, that's another thing because I feel like so much of my mindset going into birth was to look at it as a marathon and that influenced the way, you know, the workouts I was doing, the way I was moving my body. Um, the tricky bit with the nutrition is like, well, you're not going to know if you're going into labor like overnight or the next day. So when do you have that big carb load meal, right? Like you can't predict that. So I feel like something that I did do well though, 
especially in those final few weeks. Not that I knew they were the final few weeks, but I, I knew I had to be having this baby soon. I did start to eat a little bit more plain of foods. I also had really bad heartburn um, toward the end of pregnancy. So it might be a really bad way to look at it, but I was so nervous about throwing up during labor that I'm like, I don't want to eat it if I don't want to put up, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like, I'm not going to have like a really, ele- like, I'm not going to have like a really heavy lasagna, you know, like I was eating pretty simple meal at that point, a lot of potatoes, a lot of rice, um, just because I knew that, you know, they fueled my body, obviously they were good for my body, but also they sat well for me because I, I think I made a joke to somebody who had a baby a little bit before me. I'm like, preparing for birth feels like preparing for an ultra marathon but you also don't know when you're going to be running it, you know? So it's like, you can do everything you want physically, but like, don't push too hard or else you might be sore and tired for labor. Also like eat enough, but not too much. (laughs) It's a good analogy. So it is, it is a funny game, but yeah, yeah, it's like a surprise marathon. Like imagine, imagine telling anybody else to train for a surprise marathon. Yeah. Wild. It's going to come and wake you up in the night and be like, let's go bitch. Yes. Let's go. 1 a.m. is your marathon start time. And guess what? That really is how it is. 9 p.m. Yeah. So you got no. Right. Yeah. Which is, which is, I feel like that's where the consistency piece in, in those final weeks of pregnancy is so important, whether it's like nutrition or that you're moving or sleep. I know you guys always say like, try to sneak in that afternoon nap just in case, which I should have done, but I did not, you know? Um, okay. So you're yeah, in the nutrition the stuff. Yes. And you're I'm in the tub. Okay. So I, this was, I probably went in the tub maybe around like four of them. I made a point during all of this, like I really only looked at my contractions app. I did not look at the time much um, because I obviously didn't know how long labor would take. And I didn't want to be discouraged by knowing about the passing of time. Um, So I must've been in the bath because I did pay attention when I was texting you and when we called the midwives and stuff. Um, I was probably in the bath for like two hours, which it didn't feel like two hours. I know I was pruny when I got out, but it did not feel like two hours. So I got out of the bath around 6am. Um, I went to the bathroom after that. And that was, I had the first bit of bloody show, which like, I did believe I was in labor at this point, but I think there was still a part of my brain that's like, no, you're just having like a funny night. You're having like a goofy night, you know? Um, so it was a bit of bloody show, which was new. Um, but it was kind of like, end of period looking you know, like it didn't look like like fresh fresh so I I didn't really know yeah I didn't really know how to read that so I texted Sarah and I said okay out of the bath um bloody show I think I probably sent you a picture of course um so you came over and this was actually perfect timing because something else we were worried about was at the time we had three dogs and having three dogs when you're doing a home birth is kind of a lot so we were kind of anxious about being able to coordinate dropping our dogs off at their daycare for when I was in labor. And I'm so glad the daycare opens for drop off at like 7am. I just so happened to have things picking up around 7am. So Jeff was able to take the dog out right as Sarah, I think was like pulling in somehow the timing was just great with that. Um, you watched me breathe through a few contractions and agreed at that point, like, okay, the frequency is definitely there, but not the intensity. Like this is still very much so we're in our period cramp kind of phase. Don't rush to call the midwives. 
Um, you know, just keep doing what you're doing and try to sleep. Sleep was not happening for me. I made a little floor bed. I arranged my pillows because I, I don't know why I want to be in the bed, but I didn't want to be in the bed. And yeah. I told, you know, it's. Yeah, you really didn't. Yeah, like, like, and I was like, what about if we I don't make know what it was about the bed. Nest. So you were like, yeah, yeah I like the nest. Yeah. Yeah. I liked the nest. So I was on the ground beside the bed in my nest. Um, you know, I, I'm like, it's fine if you want to leave. I really, I don't feel like anything's happening right now. I'm just going to kind of conserve my energy. Um, but I'll let you know if anything changes. So um, I could not get comfortable. That was probably around like eight or eight 30 at that point was still tossing and turning kind of like what I, how I was the night before. And like my little back was just bugging me. Like the moment I got out of the bath, it started bugging me again. Um, so I didn't sleep. I was kind of trying to stretch and like do breathing and go through my labor positions because I figured it, it couldn't hurt. Maybe I'd find a position that felt good. Um, I would see around there though, things started to pick up. So if we were kind of in the realm of like moderate to heavy period cramps, this is when it started to feel like, like maybe the most intense period cramps. Right. Um, felt just like really, really intense. Like, uh, when I first got my period, when I was like a teen or whatever, and like, I, you know, those ones where like, it's, it's such a strong cramp that kind of upsets your stomach too. Like, it just feels like it's squeezing everything in there. Um, so my stomach started to get upset, which is, I think why I also was no longer hungry. So that's where we were at. Um, wasn't surprised that I had an upset stomach. Like I was expecting, I was going to need to poo during labor. That's fine. IBS. It's okay. I just didn't want to throw up. I was okay to be on the toilet. Um, so I went to the bathroom, had to pee, went to wipe. This was like a bigger bloody show. So then I'm like, okay, things are maybe picking up. She took a picture, sent it to Sarah again. Um, I was feeling a little bit encouraged at this point because I knew in terms of labor signs, this was a pretty good one. You know, not just mucus plug, but having more plug as well as the bloody show with it. So I was getting like a little, like a little giddy, which I knew I had to check myself. Like I should not be getting excited. We don't want to be expending energy on being excited about this. Cause I had no idea how long this was going to take. So I took a picture, sent it to you. And I let know I was not feeling good. Like my stomach was upset, like moderately felt like I might throw up. Um, I think you were like a little like, mm, what's going on here? Like that's an okay amount of blood. So uh, probably closer to nine. I had another big bloody show, took another picture, sent it to you. You were like, okay, something's happening. Yeah, something's <laughs> definitely going on here. Um, you asked how baby's movement was. And honestly, I did not know because I had been on the toilet. My stomach had been upset. And so I like, I couldn't tell if I don't know if I'm feeling baby moving. I don't know if I'm feeling my stomach turning. I There's just a lot going on down there right now. Um baby had been doing a lot of kicking toward the end of pregnancy and a lot like on my rib, but she, I don't know, like she'd do it kind of intermittently. So like, I, like, I just didn't know what I should be feeling. Um, so I think you at that point came back over, you were a little concerned about the amount of blood in the bloody show. Cause it was like, it was, it looked, it looked intense. Um, so we called the midwives just to be safe because I didn't really know what I was feeling. And you wanted to just get like a heart rate check just to make sure everything was fine. So we called them. Apparently it was a very busy week. I feel like every week had been a busy week at that point, like for you guys, for the midwives, everything. 
no one from my primary care team was available. So they were all at other births. They said they could send over a midwife from another team within the next hour, which I felt fine about. Um, probably closer to like 10 a.m. I used to be like an hour later. The contractions were gaining in intensity. They were not comfortable. And my low back muscles were getting really, really tight at that point. Like those bones, I guess those are touching them, my hip bones. Like the top of my hip bones, I really felt like, like we're just being squeezed together. It didn't feel good at all. Um, really strong, dull and achy feeling. So midwife got there and I never met this midwife. She wasn't from the primary care team. She was really nice. Um, I think I was still in the bathroom at that point. I, there's a good chance I was on the toilet. I think I spent like 90% not being generous, like 90% of my labor on the toilet. Um, so she came in, got out the Doppler to check baby's heart rate. We were doing great. Um, we were right like in the 130, 140 range, which I guess they were happy with. Um, so we were coping with labor well, even though things were picking up in intensity. Midwife asked if I wanted a cervical check. Now, I had not had a cervical check up until this point, like at any of my pre-baby appointments. I don't think I was completely against them, clearly. Um, but I wasn't really sure until like I got to labor if I get one or not. So I think I said yes. Yeah, I felt good mentally and like I could keep a neutral mindset, which was kind of what I wanted to make sure of. So she did check at that point and I was six centimeters, um, which was which was encouraging. Like, you know, there's not a lot further to go until you can push. In my mind, at least I'm like, okay, we're beyond halfway, right? <laughs> um. So I just, again, like I got a little giddy, but I'm like, no, 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 we need to stay calm, save your energy. You're not sleeping, but this was encouraging. So I knew only, in, you know, in my mind, I'm like only a few more centimeters and you haven't really been struggling, not to say it's going to be easy, but like, you know, um, so when we'd paged that midwife had not planned on staying, she thought she was just going to come in to do this little check and then leave. But then based on the six centimeters and based on kind of like what she was looking at, she's like, yeah, I think I should stay. So she started unpacking and setting up her stuff. Um, I want to say at that point, I was probably back in the tub and the next few hours were honestly a bit of a blur. I was not looking at my phone. I was not looking at clocks. I wasn't really doing anything. Well, I, I didn't sleep. Yeah, I can fill in a bit. Yeah. Me. Yeah. You were, you were there. <laughs> I was there. I was there feeling about the most useless everyone can feel out of birth. So here's Abby having um, back back pressure, back pain, tightness, but wants nothing. Yeah. Wants no, nothing. do not touch me. Do not touch me. Give me nothing. Yeah. Give me nothing. And also my eyes will be closed. I don't want to be coached. I remember you saying that. You're like, I'm not a person that you rally. So doesn't want to hear anything. No. Not want hands on pressure. <laughs> Nobody but Jeff. Jeff is like the only thing. And then also quiet, but also the background. There's going to be no background music. There's just going to be Star Wars. Star Wait, no, Star Trek. Star, Star, Star Trek on in the back. Star Trek is on episode after episode after episode wow. in the bedroom. A little that's, Captain Kirk action. That's yeah. the soundtrack of her life. Yeah. Of her, yeah. her being, being born. That's a first. Yeah, it really was. It was a first for a few things. Um, 
And then favorite part. So she's in the tub as if we're in this time warp of nothing, like just contraction and then eyes closed. Nothing, nothing. Jeff is like kind of sitting on the floor, kind of sitting on the side of the tub and he's close by, but not touching her. And I'm like, why don't you just lean your head onto like his leg or his shoulder and try and sleep? And Mm -hmm. you're like, absolutely not. (laughs) Absolutely. Then you say something like, I'm dolphin sleeping. <laughs> yes. Sleep. And I'm like, okay. what? I should, I should have looked this up. I should have looked this up before the podcast, but oh, um, I should have known it was going to come on. I, I was, did ask you afterwards. I was like, uh, like at What's baby dolphin sleep? I was like, what is dolphin sleep? But yeah, that's what you're Okay. Okay. So I can explain maybe when I was like 11 or 12, I was reading National Geographic and like, I mean, of course, every kid likes dolphins, right? Um, and I remember reading about how dolphins sleep because I thought, oh, horses sleep standing up. That's kind of crazy. I can't sleep standing up. And so then I read about dolphins. I'm like, what do they do? Do they just sink? Do they float? How do they sleep? And they don't fully sleep. Um, so I just Googled it. Dolphins only close one eye when they sleep. The left eye will be closed when the right half of the brain sleeps and vice versa. This type of sleep is known as unihemispheric sleep as only one brain hemisphere sleeps at a time. So dolphins always have to be ready to go because there's crazy stuff in the ocean, but they still have to rest naturally. So when I was in labor, I knew I could not sleep. But in my mind, I was keeping my energy really low. I was resting my eyes. I was not letting really anything emotionally go on. I wasn't really excited about anything. I wasn't really sad about anything. I was just trying to keep it really, really level because I knew I wouldn't be able to sleep, but I needed to conserve my energy. My whole goal was like, conserve, conserve, conserve. Don't pay attention to conversations. Don't pay attention to literally any sensory input. Um, So I was dolphin sleeping because I needed to be ready to go, but I also had to conserve my energy. You you Um, which that you you really didn't like the idea of being jolted awake by a contraction. Yes, you didn't want to be in this like sleep because often we see people in 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 labor and they fall asleep in the tub and their arms float and then they just wake up in a contraction and then they sleep and you can sleep in these two and three minute increments. Um, so that's what I was suggesting, but you were like, I absolutely don't like the idea of being jolted awake into a contraction. It felt like it would take more energy to be jolted awake and to just like keep it low vibe. So I do remember something else from that time. And again, it was a time warp. Like there were a few hours that went by during this time. At one point, Sarah, you told Jeff, because he'd been awake with me, like since probably three, he had not slept either. He had not had anything to eat. Like he was just there waiting to help. Honestly, like he was great. Um, You're like, you should maybe go have something to eat. so Jeff oh my god he goes downstairs and I said it's fine like I'm feeling good Sarah's here he went downstairs and instead of making a full meal or preparing something proper to eat he didn't want to take too long so he grabbed a handful of I think they were big feet or Swedish fish or something and he comes right just a quick little snack whatever. I don't think he was, I think he felt pretty useless. He wasn't feeling great about that. So he just wanted to be present. So he comes back up and I kid you not when he entered, like didn't even come beside me. Like when he entered the room, I could smell the scent of, of these Swedish fish. And it hit me like a wall. It was the most offensive thing I'd ever smelled. I'm not even like, I like Swedish fish. Those are fine. Like they're not my favorite, but 
I have nothing against them normally, but during labor, when that aroma hit me, I was repulsed. It was a physical reaction. I wanted to throw up and he came in and like, I felt bad because he was just trying to have a snack. But I think I told him, I'm like, you need to go. Like, I need you to like, I need you to, I don't even know what I said, but I I think I told him to be like, I you're like brush your teeth like something like that it probably came across so rude but I was not going to use any more words than I needed to um it is what it is but that was something that caught me off guard because I have never been like a like a scent person you know like I didn't have anything like that during pregnancy could not have predicted that I mean the ones that we talk about at the prenatal class yeah, chips. Tuna, chips, Doritos. And then you've had a client who the sound of the jeans. husband rubbing his jeans was bothering her. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I think it's just anything strong. Yeah. Like so there's a strong scent. Yeah. Yeah. Like contractions um, is mm-hmm. always a no. Yeah. So that was, that was not it. He did come back after he'd mouthwashed and everything and it was fine, luckily, but he felt very bad about that. Um, so I guess we spent, okay, so midwife arrived around like 10 a.m. We were in the bath for the next while. I want to say the reason I got out of the bath was because my stomach was upset. So this was entering the next phase of labor, which I now realized. So probably around 12 p.m., I want to say, we moved over to the toilet. And I really thought like, I'm like, okay. Uh, I my stomach is completely upset I'm not gonna leave this toilet I thought there was a good chance I could have thrown up and the contractions were getting pretty intense around 12 I'd say like when I got out of the bath I don't know the exact time but that crossover was when it stopped feeling like really heavy period cramps and it started to just feel like different like I can't really explain it like I don't know if it was a feeling of the baby descending it was just like something I'd never felt before um it just felt weird, felt really weird. And everything felt like it was just getting squeezed and crampy in my stomach. So that was not a good time. Um, I was on the toilet. I was laboring. I definitely felt like the contractions were coming to more of a sharp peak versus like a dull peak and spent a little bit there. I think we probably did. And I know we did one more cervical check. We did one more cervical check. And I want to say it was sometime around there, sometime maybe 1230. And I should not have done this one. In hindsight, I shouldn't have done this one because I was looking for something else to give me a boost because the first one I knew encouraged me. But I remember when we went over to the bed because we had to get off the toilet briefly, which was not also was a very big like trade-off for me. I didn't like that, but I was looking for encouragement. So we went over to the bed and I think I was only eight at that point, which I shouldn't say only like, you know, eight's good progress, but I really was not feeling good. And eight was not encouraging for me because I felt like with how intense the contractions had been, I should have been further. Like I wanted to be ready to push. So I went back on the toilet. I was not a happy girl. I want to say this is when we got out the cloth that I really just, I went into my own place. I wasn't looking at anybody anymore at all. Like no eye contact, no conversation, not interacting with anyone. And I don't know if this is when we assumed the position, Sarah, but when Jeff started, he started holding my head. Um, up until that point, I'd been using my acupressure balls and rolling those and kind of like just using that to distract me. But I was pretty down in the dumps after that second cervical check. 
So I went back onto the toilet. After the second cervical check, there was a point where both you and Jeff were in the room and, and we were just really quiet. And I remember we heard something and it was like a splash in the toilet. Yeah. And you thought I pooped. And I'm like, I did not poop. I'm like, I have been pooping and I did not poop. I did not. A hard <laughs> hit the water. It sounded like a golf ball. Yeah, golf oh, ball or yeah. ball. It sounded like a, yeah, like a plop. But then, yep. and then there was no dripping. There was nothing. And, and we so like, what we established what from that, it was my water. Oh. But it wasn't. But it came so out. That was when. It was like, ball. bam. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. So that was like, that was weird. Um, I guess there was a lot of pressure, but like, I also did not know what it was at that point. Um, so things continued progressing. I have no idea what time you guys made me get off the toilet, but I think that was an extended negotiation process. Um, it took a while for you guys to get me off of the toilet and I did not want to go. And I think both you and the wife tried to get me off, tried to like suggest like, Hey, maybe it's time to try a different position. Maybe it's time to move forward. Maybe it's time to not have a toy baby. The reason (laughs) why we were suggesting this is because Jeff is quivering. So Jeff is his arm up in the air. And we know the next few days after baby's born, we know that he has a rotator cuff tear. Oh, he tore his rotator cuff. Yeah. Yeah. But we didn't know this at the time. No. So he's sitting on the floor. Abby's on the toilet, but you're kind of hovering over the I'm leaning forward. Yeah, you're leaning forward and putting a lot of your weight on your forehead, on the cold cloth, into his hand. Yes. And so his- It's a weird position. It is a weird (laughs) position. I've never seen it before. So I'm trying, and then, so at one point I try to trade out with Jeff and Abby knows immediately. It's a different hand. It's not the right one. It's the wrong angle. And so (laughs) we even tried to do it smoothly when we were doing the cloth interchange to keep the cloth cold. Yeah. So it wasn't working. So eventually I'm kind of- Propping Jeff, like right, I'm holding, holding him up. his back, yeah. with my leg, yeah. and I'm holding his arm so that his <laughs> arm doesn't die. But he, you can see his face. He's like, this baby's not coming he's down. But he's like, I Can't will not this. let her down. Yeah, I, yeah. I in this position, if I have to, <laughs> if I have to go on with life with only one arm, I will do it. The guy was like, I, I will do this. So it was at that point that the midwives and I who have our eyes open, mm-hmm. obviously Abby doesn't, were like, I wonder if there's perhaps, something else you know, another position that would mean that maybe Jeff won't die. <laughs> so that was the question. Yeah. Because obviously we're all happy with toilet babies and we're happy. We love when people are yeah. on the station. Yes. Um, but yeah, somehow there was like, this interesting pivot forward where you weren't even really mm-hmm. using the toilet mm. in its true capacity. So we're like, no, oh, this no, like, nope, I like what I'm doing. <laughs> we're like, you know, he's like, yep. yeah, I was pretty, I was pretty stubborn. Yeah. And he's like, you know what? And, and look, don't do anything for me. I'm not the one having a baby. Oh yeah. And I mean, you guys said, you guys said during the prenatal, like, you know, you gotta, you gotta make your, your desires known. You gotta yeah. clearly communicate. And I did not use a lot of words, but I'm like, I'm, I'm staying, I'm here. Yeah. Like, this is me. This is what's working for me. Um, so eventually we got me off the toilet and I was kind of okay with it. Cause I'm like, you know what? Not that I could fully prepare, but I, I kind of, I was open to the idea of like 
and all fours or like half kneeling birth. Like I liked that going into labor when I was kind of doing my research on labor positions. Um, so got down, Jeff didn't really get a break. I'm pretty sure he was still holding a very similar position. Um, just a slightly different angle. (laughs) So he got down to the ground and once we made it down, I think it was pushing time. Like it was pretty much pushing time. Um, that was the hardest part of labor for me. And I think like there were two big humps that I'd say I struggled with during labor. The first was when I got that second cervical check that I should not have gotten because it was discouraging for me. I should have just stayed on my toilet or in my bath and let time pass. Um, and then the other tough moment was when I felt that transition because from all the birth videos I'd watched, everyone said, okay, like you're going to go, you're going to hit transition. It's going to be really hard, but then pushing will be a relief Mm. that like could not have been further from the truth. I, I felt like I'd been lied to. They said, and you know, I wasn't even holding on to like, you know, these stories you hear of like second or third births. And it's like, oh, it was two pushes and done. Like, I wasn't even expecting that. I just thought, oh, it's going to feel productive. I'm going to feel like I'm making progress. My first few pushes were a nightmare. I was definitely panicking a little bit. Um, I felt like the midwife was telling me to push. And like, I just like my timing felt off. Like I didn't feel like I was pushing at the right time. I didn't feel like I was pushing productively. I felt very much so like I'd push, but then she'd like retreat. And it was so irritating and it was so uncomfortable. And I was pretty upset for probably the first few pushes. Um, but then I managed to pull my shit together and I finally kind of, I don't know, like, I, I don't know where my brain was at during that point, but I'm like, no, we need to like do the breathing that you actually practice, right? Take a full inhale, do your full exhale, like hold on to the pressure, like where you, you know, what you imagined. Right. And so I did actually get into a breathing rhythm that really, really worked for me. Um, I forget, you know, everyone has different terms, but I remember, I think some people do, is it purple pushing when you just push, push, push. And like, is that what it's called? Yeah. So yeah, I did like not do that. Walk, I did. Walked inhalation um, push. Yeah. yeah. I didn't do that. No. So like what I definitely did was closer to like how I do my core training and stuff now where I breathed through every contraction and then held on a little bit at the end to just make sure that like we weren't kind of shifting back up in between. Um so I'd say once I kind of got like the visual of like, okay, I'm rolling with each wave, like I'm going with the contractions, I was able to sync up and I felt like I finally started productively pushing, but it took like a few really, really bad and very discouraging and uncomfortable pushes before I got there. Um, so Sarah, was you she, probably remember the next bit better. Was she posterior? Hmm? Like, do we think she was posterior? She oh, was head down and was supposed to be in a good position, but I don't think like, she like, was considered in the ideal position going into labor, and she didn't rotate during, I don't think. Yeah, like, I feel like... And Sarah saw this, pain, so... And then the the intensity, the way you're describing pushing sounds like everybody who I've known who was pushed out of posterior baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. So when she did come out, she had, what is it? Is it the nuchal hand? We were up yes. here. Oh, man. So that might have been part of... And had a nuchal hand that is bananas. Mm -hmm. So I'm not completely sure of her rotation, but she definitely had this. And so this is where like, I'm not completely sure what happened because obviously I could not see the other end of me. Um, But there were like, there was a little bit of like a little bit of funny business, I'll say. 
So once we got into productive pushing, um, I remember, I forgot if it was Sarah or the medic, but they're like, like, feel like there's hair, like you're making progress. And I didn't want to have anything to do with touching anything at that point. I just wanted to stay focused. Um, and I did feel hair, which was great, which I thought would mean like, we're almost there and let a few more pushes. Um, so kept pushing. This is where now, Sarah, you might remember this better. When her head, like when she started to crown, there was still like sock around her like a good amount of sock around her. So I don't fully know, like when the water broke, I don't know what broke. I don't know what popped. I don't know if it was the outer sock, inner sock, what happened, but there was still sock over her head when she came out or like partially over her head. This is where I feel like I would change something for a future birth. Once we got like a okay amount of the head out, the midwife was very set on adjusting things um to put it lightly she wanted trendy lately that's trending yeah yeah she's kind of bling and I will say that did not feel good that actually felt terrible I would have preferred to do my own pushing especially in hindsight knowing that throughout labor baby was coping fine her heart rate was fine I was coping fine like yes I was in pain but um I don't think there were any indications that we needed to pull her out any quicker Um, that was really uncomfortable. And so once we got her out, once the midwife started, you know, pulling things, I think it was maybe only one or two more pushes. Um, at that time, she's like, you know, you got to pick up your baby or maybe Sarah said that. And I was still like a little spun because, you know, that's pretty crazy. And I'd started to get shivers. Um, so I remember being really nervous about picking her up because I just thought I was going to drop her. I think you guys helped me pick her up somewhere in this process too. And Sarah, you might be able to better comment on this. Another midwife arrived um, because we did need two midwives, but it was all very rushed because nobody was really available. So she came at some point, she was a little chattier during labor. Um, I I was really just not there. I was not there for the, a lot of the pushing. Takes a minute. So you're the midwife yeah. arrived while like, you were still on the toilet and you reached out. You didn't like her energy. I didn't like her energy. She no. came in chatty Kathy. Oh yes. Yes. You hear her coming into the bedroom. So we're in the bathroom off of your bedroom and you immediately reach out and close the door with your arm. <laughs> I closed the door. <laughs> yeah. You're oh. pushy. So she's trying this to just turns me on so much. She's trying to squeeze her way through the door. This and, is a no speaking zone, yeah, lady. Yeah, you're just like that. I think like, I said privacy. Like I think I might have said privacy. You said yeah. privacy, and then I think <laughs> at that point we were just Clear like request. We're just gonna keep it really. Yeah, yeah. So I think really. she kind of got the message and like toned herself down a little bit, um, because you know she's probably driven there in a rush and she's yeah. all amped up yeah. and excited and yeah, so, she was coming for other birth. She forgot to check herself. Yeah, before she entered your birth read space. the room. Yeah. And I wish, um, yeah. and I, who knows, maybe we're going to have a chat with some midwives. Maybe this will be the year soon. that yeah, we do maybe it. This will be the year, but you know, we have the privilege of working with like 60 midwives. Like mm-hmm. we get to work with yeah. all different clinics, different clinics, even different cities. And we get to work with more midwives. I think than midwives work with midwives. Yes. yes. And so we mm-hmm. get to see the things that are really great. And you can really tell the midwives who know how to leave their past births behind mm-hmm. and know how to check their energy when they walk in a space and the ones who kind of make it about them. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I mean, I can even see as you're telling your story, like I can tell things that have changed about me in the last year. Totally. And things that I don't know that I would even say now at a birth, um, that I'm just more and more comfortable with letting things be like, it's not ever about my involvement and, yeah. and letting things mm-hmm. be so quiet and so physiological yeah. and not even. It's very, very hard as a doula to sit there like Sarah did and feel like you're doing nothing, which yeah. is actually doing more. Mm. And and I can agree with that because like, I, I, I mean, we talked about this on the last podcast. Like I didn't really know like, like what I was getting into when I was like, I'm going to work with doulas, but I'm like this, I need this. I'm like, I need this. I don't fully know what it is, but I need this. And um, I didn't know like what, what it would look like. I, like I kind of had, I'd imagine, you know, what would it be like having one of you guys at my labor? Um, but I'd say like, at least with how my labor went, like the biggest thing was energy management was like, like project manager for the labor and making sure that like everybody was in check. And that would like, like just kind of creating the space for me to have the labor I wanted, right? It was creating space, like you were obviously not doing the work, I had to do that. Um, that making sure that the energy like the vibe was right right and like that goes I know it sounds so silly and like kind of woo woo but like I wasn't sleeping and the biggest thing for me really was conserving my energy so that my body could do what it needed to do and I stand by like that was maybe the best thing that I did for my labor like you know of course it probably helped you know the things that I ate the way that I physically trained going to labor so that I knew I could withstand it but like managing once I was there managing my energy was the biggest thing and like having you and Jeff there to kind of like hold that space and like mirror that energy, I think was also helpful because clearly like on the second cervical check, like it would have been easy for me to spiral a little bit. Um, but just seeing that energy that like I was carrying mirrored back to me, it was like, no, we're fine. Like we're good. Right. And I think even too, like, that's where had I maybe been in a hospital setting or had I been with a different care team, right? Like that's where things I think can start to escalate, right? Like when I start to get a little bit uneasy or unsure and you have somebody who's bringing a more rushed or like just the wrong energy, that's where I think maybe things can go a little bit sideways and, you know, mm, yeah. you end up where you don't want to be. Yeah. I mean, I remember I took a video for you um, of mm-hmm. the, the pushing part and and that's where you were able to reflect obviously there's what's happening internally and you could feel as you're pushing that she was also pulling yeah. the baby. But then I think there's also that visual, you know, as you're going through that after the birth too. Um, yeah. And, and honestly, like I, I'm not sure it seems like in the midwife world, it's 50, 50, this, this conversation and argument around hands-on versus mm-hmm. hands-off. And mm-hmm. some midwives are just more hands-on and, and I don't know if they're afraid of a shoulder dystocia or if that's happened in their past. And so they, they think if, if they pull early that they'll go right by the shoulders. I'm, I'm not sure what that's about. Um, but I know like you, you, I know you talked about the, the level of intensity going up. But mm-hmm. it felt like in that moment when you're talking about the shaking and your your tone, like that was the only time your pitch became high. Yeah. And it felt a little bit like an out-of-body experience for you because it wasn't 
you, you doing it. It was, it that, wasn't me. Yeah. It wasn't you. It was being done to you. Yeah. And that, that is definitely how it felt because like, I would never say, you know, obviously like an epidural was not available to me. Right. You know, you reach a certain point in labor where it's like, this is where you're at. Right. Um, but the pain was always manageable. Like I, I actually don't think I ever reached like a 10 on a pain scale. I really don't think I did. Um, I say, you know, there were peaks probably like in the eights and nines, but it was not like for an extended period of time. Of course, like when you're crowning, you feel that sharp pain, but I, I don't know the way to explain like what it felt like the first few pushes were scary for me. They weren't necessarily painful, but you know, when you're nervous about something, of course, that's going to hide in whatever you're feeling, right? Um, you can experience like really challenging things and depending where your head is at, that's going to change your perception of them. Right. Um, so when I felt out of sync with my body, that was scary. And that made the pain feel worse, even though the pain wasn't actually that bad because it started to feel manageable when I got in sync with my breathing in sync with my pushing. When she started pulling while I was also trying to push, it's like, it kind of brought me back to that out of sync feeling, but also because she was pulling, it wasn't me. I now had like, okay, I'm also not in control of this situation. And again, like you guys said, it's being done to me. Like it, I think it added an element of like, not fear per se, but like, um, it just, it wasn't aligned. Like it, it was an external pain. And like the way that it felt with my muscles was, um, like I always use analogies to fitness, I feel like, but like, it, it just felt like I was trying to do something with my muscles in a range that like, they're not working. Right. Like if you're pulling, like trying to pull the deadlift out of like the bottom position, it's way beyond the weight that you can pull. Like it just, it felt very not right when she was pulling, like it was not pulling at the right time. I don't know if there is a right time to pull, but like, it didn't feel synced. It felt like it was throwing off what I was doing. And it was honestly kind of irritating, but also when you're at that level of intensity and all of your focus is going to like, I need to focus on this pushing and what my body is telling me. Like I know in hindsight, like, and for future births, like in that moment, I would probably not be able to utter more than a few words. Like not because it was absolutely like horrific and terrible, but like, if you're running a max effort sprint, you're not going to be communicating in more than a few words either. Right. Yeah. 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 So I think like that, that did make it tougher. Like, I think I'm curious for like my future births, like if I can go all the way without that, like, I'd really like to try that and see how the pain compares. Um, because yeah, you're right. Like the pitch did change there, Sarah, and it, it just didn't feel right. And I feel like that, that pitch change might've been the only amount of communication I was able to get through to be like, Oh, I don't like this. Right, <laughs> like, yeah. it, it right? Like exactly the way you described an out of syncness. It's like you weren't working together with her because you're not no. while she's pulling. Now your body, she can't feel what I'm feeling. No. Yeah. And you're now you're out of safety, you're resisting her. And so right. now it's like, you're working against her and she's, you needed to be resting at that point and then pushing. Oh, yes. Better. Okay. Better analogy. This one's better. Um, like when you're going for massage and like, you know, they touch like a tender area. Like if you like ticklish thighs or something, or like your muscles are really tight, like you know that your muscles are tight and you should be relaxing, but it's like, because they touch it or like the way that they touch it, you can't relax. And it, it's irritating. Cause you're like, I know we need to work on this, but like, I can't relax into it. And that is like, that's, that's closer to the out of sync feeling. Also imagine Trump, someone trying to help your poop out. 
Yeah. Just picture right. someone right. pulling it. Right. While you're yeah. It just doesn't. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, and it's also like the biggest poop of your life. Right. So like yes. Quad sized poop. Yeah. Yeah. So then the mystery that I still have, like, I think maybe the only mystery that I still have, like about the birth is that in that process, like, of course, that was not the most fun when she was pulling and all that, but picked up the baby, all good, you know, healthy, fine, no concerns. When we went from the bathroom where we delivered baby to the bed, I made my little walk. Um, they checked everything out and apparently I had some tearing, mm. but it was not perennial tearing. It was like a labia tear, which, which didn't make sense to me even in that moment I was like it's from the the compound presentation yeah I think it's likely from the fist yeah from the fist okay because I was nail like nicked your labia on the way out sometimes that can and that's what she said and I was just I was so confused because it wasn't like a small little nick like I forget how many stitches I had it might have been like five but I'm like how does that happen like it was a little bit higher up too. I just, I was very perplexed by that. I'm like, did you catch a nail? I'm not sure. Maybe that's me looking too deep into it, but. And maybe it's not a nail, but it's just that. An irritation. But the way that the hand, um, and maybe the way that labia stretched around the hand and it's just like. Yeah. Not as slow a stretch. The as, perfect storm. As yes. the head, because the head is going to create mm-hmm. a nice uniform stretching with the breathing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you sometimes the hand kind of goes like, oh, no, no. Yeah. The hand comes through and it's just like yeah. a sudden stretch on the labia. And so then the yeah. pop release there. Um, yeah. yeah that, and, and it, which is an easier repair. Like the labia is this beautiful, mm-hmm. I don't want to use the word. Oh, yeah. Have good association with yeah. wrinkles, but you know, because I was so I was there's getting, ample tissue to yes, throw it back getting, together, uh, right? Laser the other day, yeah. and this young girl who's lasering me is going on about like, ah, the labia is so wrinkly, it's so hard to get it smooth to like put the laser on. Yeah. And I'm like, hold the phone, girl, you're gonna love that extra wrinkly yeah. baby yeah. you have when you're having a baby, yeah. stretches beautifully right. to accommodate the baby's head. Whereas our perineum is actually like smooth and tight, mm-hmm. and so a tear there. Yeah lot harder yeah. of, a, of a healing process yeah and and it, like I feel lucky that I had the tearing where I got it because it was a really straightforward healing process like I was I feel like I was more nervous to go pee than I needed to be I was just so like you know so everything feels funny um Do you so want to that happened where yeah. you're so you've had your baby and she's on the floor mm-hmm and you're not yet ready to pick her up. Oh yeah. I I just want to normalize that piece because mm. um sometimes we have this idea that like oh we need to immediately hold mm. and love and kiss and smell our babies and that means we're bonded to them. But I think there's also space for us to come back into our own body. Yeah. And to yeah. recognize what we've been through and take a hot second to be like whoa and then pick our babies up and there's a birth story that I love I don't remember where I heard it but it was a mom who was having her third baby and because she'd been through this before she knew herself and how she wanted to be and once the baby was out she had her husband put the baby I think on his chest Mm -hmm. and she was like I just want everyone to leave the room 
I just want to be alone for a few minutes. And everybody left and she just did nothing with the baby, nothing with it. Like, and I don't yeah. know what the scent is out at this point. Mm-hmm. I don't remember, but she just needed a second. And then when she felt like she come back to herself, she was like, okay, and now I'm ready. And then baby yeah. skin to skin. And I mean, you know, physiologically, is that the best thing? Maybe not. Maybe we need our babies on our chest so that our uterus comes down. But for her, she needed to come back to herself yeah. before she was able to give energy to her baby. And I, I mean, we all just need different things. Right. And so, yeah, I remember that point where the baby was, I mean, good and safe and protected. Right. We think of ourselves as animals, you've got your baby there on between your knees and you're looking down at her. Um, but she's covered in, in blood and she's slippery and you needed a minute to think about picking her up. I was so worried about dropping her. Like I was so worried because I'm like, damn, she's really small. Like, and she wasn't a small baby. She's like, I think right on average size, but I was just like, this is so fragile looking. And I just worked so hard for this. <laughs> I need to like, I need to protect this. Yeah. Um, and so you're I think very, what ended up happening. You're a very yeah. type A personality, right? And yeah. I, I yeah. like there was a lot that needed to happen quick, needed to happen quick in mm-hmm. your brain to get you to a spot where you're like, okay, this is good. This is normal. I can do mm-hmm. this. I can pick my baby up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I, I just, oh, yeah. And the shaking was like uncomfortable at that point. I'm sure it was a combination of like being tired and that intense effort and like not eating, but like, I think I kept shaking till I was in the bed too. Like I was still shaking. Yeah, um, um, and a lot of people don't like it and there's different things we yeah. try. Like you can stick your tongue out and bite it. You can have pressure on oh, your chest, yeah. okay. wrap your body, but the, yeah, you're, you've put out a lot of adrenaline in that last pushing stage and you it's know, normally the only way to process it. Yeah. It's to shake it off. Right. Yeah. Cause normally when we have high adrenaline, we do something crazy. Like we jump up and down of excitement or we run, run out of terror, but with a baby, you're not going to do neither of those things. So your body shakes to process the adrenaline. Yeah. So that, I guess that was, that was like birthing. Then we went to the bed, found out about the tear. I guess we did the placenta next. We would have done that before they stitched me up. Right. Yeah. 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 Okay. So that was the next thing. So my preference, like going into birth was I wanted everything leading up to the actual birth to be minimal intervention. Like I just wanted to experience all of that. I didn't have like a plan per se of how I wanted to birth the placenta. I didn't really care to be honest. Um, Cause at that point the baby was out and like, I felt like I'd experienced birth. I wasn't super hung up on how the rest happened. So I think did we did we do the shot or did we not? The pitocin shot. What's the thing um, that they do? Yeah, they so active management. They want to do a shot of pitocin. I I'm sorry, I don't remember. And I yeah, don't I don't know if we did or not. I'm I'm not sure. Um, but we birthed that. That was weird feeling. Uh, <laughs> yeah, pick up baggage. Yellow. That was weird feeling. Yeah. And then I guess the interesting thing that we did learn, this wasn't like all an exact sequence, but we did learn when the midwives looked at the placenta and examined it. I think they put me right around 41 weeks based on how the placenta looked. Yeah. Um, 
So I, I don't think I've actually gone back and like seen when I would have gotten pregnant and like what week that was and if that made sense. But it was kind of validating to me to know that like I was right around 41. So like it could have been a September baby um, based on how I was feeling. But uh, yeah. And then, and then I think we just settled in, which I will say one of my favorite parts of birth was being able to not have to go anywhere. I love that. Yeah. That was great. Jeff brought me cake. I had cake for dinner. I, it was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I came back and saw you two days after, and we had more cake on the bed. And <laughs> we had more cake. So- it was a huge cake. Like it's so much cake. And I think I even you told me about the cake shop. And then I went to the cake shop on the way home from your visit. Yes, you did. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, you did. Oh it's, God. it's a great cake shop. Um, yeah, that lemon cake was fantastic and was like a lot of my sustenance in the first week postpartum. <laughs> you got to get fuel where yeah. you can get it. No, I know. You <laughs> I do. Some... Um, I, I feel like I wasn't. So you had three mm-hmm. dogs at the time. And I remember. Oh, yes. Um, at that point, your little one that was in the basket, he mm-hmm. had done like an explosive poop out the side of oh. the basket. Yeah, so we we had a lot going on around my birth. Um, we had three dogs at the time, and I'll say had because two of them unfortunately passed in rapid succession last. It was a it was a rough start to the year. Um, but basically, we had a little French bulldog who is disabled. Um, he does he had a spinal injury, so he was on wheels. But he'd also like as you know over the course of it, he'd uh, he'd become incontinent, both like pee and poop. Um, so part of the reason we also wanted to board the other dogs because when you're dealing with an incontinent dog, um, it's like now that I have a baby that's moving around more um, and it can actually create like pretty big messes, it's it's worse than any mess that you can think of like a baby making in their diaper. Like it, it's in the diaper, it's outside of the diaper, the diaper sometimes on, it's sometimes off, they run through it, they spin in circles, they put on the walls, like it's horrific. Um, so he was contained to a basket and in his bin, he was with his wheels. He was with his stuff. At that time he was declining. <laughs> there was just so much going on around the sport. At that time he was declining. So I was basically taking care of the new baby. Jeff was taking care of the other baby that was in very poor health, had every part of his body failing, the poor little guy. Um, antibiotics, rehab, water treadmill, laser therapy, um, everything going on right after the birth, as well as managing then a blind and deaf golden retriever (laughs) and a very high energy husky. So we had a lot going on immediately postpartum. Um, I feel like we already had kind of a family of four. (laughs) Yes. I remember Jeff saying that like changing a diaper ain't no thing because when you- you know, clean yeah. poop of everything, including the dog. It's just not that big a deal when a baby has a poopy diaper. No, no, not at all. Like even, and we've seen, I think everyone has seen their fair share of stuff once you have a baby. And, you know, there's some days that it's, it's overwhelming. You know, you have blowouts, nothing on an incontinent dog. <laughs> yeah. You guys yeah. Have- we, we learned a lot. We learned a lot. Yeah. yeah. Um, in wrapping yeah. up, is there anything else you wanted to share us about the with us about the early postpartum? Like, how did breastfeeding go? How was your yeah. you know repair or your healing after the stitches? 
Yeah. Um, how was that first week? Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of physical stuff that, that goes on in the first week and like stuff, you're going to feel things that you've never felt before. Cause obviously, you know, if you've never had a kid before, you've never had a kid before. Um, one of the things that I'd say caught me off guard, even though I'd done a ton of research on pelvic health and rehab and, you know, what that recovery period looks like. One thing that did catch me off guard immediately postpartum in those first couple of days was it felt like my muscles were sleeping very weird. Um, and when I say sleeping, like not necessarily pins and needles, like I didn't have that sensation, but like, you know, when you do have an arm that falls asleep, like you feel like you can't engage the muscles. That's how it felt like with my glutes and kind of a lot of my stuff in and around my pelvic floor. So when I'd stand up, like I'd still kind of have like a little bit of a forward lean as my glutes weren't, you know, positioning my hips under me. Um, I felt like I couldn't, I had a bit of hesitancy when I'd sit down to go to the bathroom because I didn't fully understand how to release my my muscles at that point. So that was, you know, some physical stuff. And it did get a lot better after the first few days. I started doing some gentle activation and breathing, um, probably within the first couple of weeks. And, you know, that progressed as expected. What I was absolutely not prepared for. And um I don't think there was, I, I don't think it's even on my radar. I was very, very, very prepared physically for pregnancy. I was very prepared from an education standpoint. I did a lot of research. I was not prepared mentally. Um, for the massive shift that comes like when you become a mom, um, and how that has a ripple effect on like every other relationship in your life. Um, you know, how that changes the, the dynamic between you and your partner. I mean, functionally initially, like, you know, a baby's attached to you 24 seven, like just because you don't have the bump anymore, it doesn't mean that you're going to be able to be like physically close with your partner. And like, you're not going to have the space or like bandwidth to like be as affectionate, even though you might want that affection because you're feeling burnt out, like completely changes that dynamic, um, changes how you look at other people in your life. You know, it feels like you're looking at some of your other relationships through a different lens and maybe some of the things that you were okay with before aren't okay anymore. Right. It's, it's really overwhelming the way that like suddenly having a baby hits you. It's not like you can have a baby gradually. Um, I'm sure some of that was heightened because I found out I was pregnant pretty late, but, um, one of the best things I did was definitely being in therapy throughout pregnancy and like just having the appointments there postpartum. Like, even if I thought, oh, I'm going to be okay. Oh, I'm doing fine. Like, I think just being aware that it's, you're not going to know what to expect and it is going to hit you in different ways at different times, but really staying on top of that. So that, you know, you don't spiral because when you're awake in the middle of the night, like breastfeeding or just like rocking your baby because they won't sleep, like it's so easy to spiral. There were so many like 3am, 4am mornings where I'm like not thriving. Um, and so having that outlet and, you know, I know therapy is not for everybody. Maybe there's a different outlet, different, different outlets for different people, therapy, journaling, all of it was really helpful to navigate that and I think allow me to not just feel like oh I'm letting go of my entire old identity but rather integrate mother motherhood into the identity that I had and continue growing through it um one thing that I think like and we can end on this one thing that was something I struggled with um initially was feeling kind of like I had to choose between being a mom versus everything else that I had. And I think a lot of women experience this, whether it's feeling like you have to choose between your career and your kids or some people, your relationship, your kids, your friends and your kids, like 
feeling like there are all these choices and all these doors that you're closing and like somehow it's making you less. And I think that is absolutely the biggest lie that is told to women. Um, motherhood does not reduce you at all. Like it does not make you less capable. It does not, um, you know, close close any doors that are worth having open. I think you can be a mom and do so many other things, but in those first few weeks postpartum, even the first few months, it's such a mind game because your body is constantly needed. You are constantly needed. You're navigating so many new things. You're recovering physically, mentally, all these things. So I think just knowing that like you can be a mom and do everything else and it's going to be really hard initially but you are going to get to a place where you find routines, you find a way to integrate this into who you all already were and become like a larger and greater person. Like that is what I wish I'd known. That is something that I would tell every other mom, um, you know, as much as you can't prepare mentally, know that there is a light and know that, you know, it takes effort, but you can, you can get through this and grow through it right? You can have, you can have everything that you want. Um, don't buy into the lie that it's going to take away from what you have or what you are. Love that. That's oh. such a good note to end on. Yeah. Thank you it's so, so much. Said. Yeah. Oh, this has been good. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for having me on. I, we usually ask <gasps> what they would put on a billboard, but I feel like that was just it. Yeah. Oh, billboard. you know what? Yeah. 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 I'm a mom That's and, and I do everything else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> mom and I do everything else too. That's perfect. Love it. All right. Thank you for being All right. here, Abby. Okay. See ya. All right. Thanks for having me on. We'll chat soon. Okay. Bye. Bye. We would just love it if you would take the time to leave us a five-star rating, a review. If you'd subscribe to our show, you can screenshot it while you're listening to us and even share it on the gram. Remember... You are important too. Disclaimer, we are not medical professionals. Everything said here is our own opinion and not to be taken as medical advice. We do not take any responsibility from the outcomes of you taking our advice. Please seek medical advice from your trusted healthcare professionals.